Hey everyone, welcome to the Faith Chapel Podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Matthew chapter 20 is in the Bible. So we have been looking at parables. I know that's a unique word, but a parable was a teaching methodology in the first century and rabbis use this. And there are probably a few really important reasons. One is can you imagine a life without e-readers or books? So long before the printing press came around, nobody had a way to copy down, mass produce anything that was written. So people who taught publicly often used narrative stories and infused those stories with intent. So a parable is a story with intent. That's how we're defining it. So Jesus did this. He told all of these stories. You'll, you'll find massive portions of his public teaching were in these, these narratives that have all this meaning. Another reason that people use parables is because the meaning isn't always clear. A parable was meant for you to walk away because it was a story and our minds remember stories. You walked away and you had to think through and unravel that story and figure out if it applied to you, and if so, how did it apply to you? And so Jesus uses these parables all the time, and here's the parable that we're gonna read today, Matthew chapter 20, and it's a parable of a guy who owns a vineyard. And apparently it's harvest time, something needs to happen in the vineyard, and he goes to hire people, he needs, he needs laborers. And the big point of this parable is something like, it's about fairness, okay? And so Jesus is gonna to talk to people about his kingdom, what his kingdom is like. Now, if you are spiritually unresolved, maybe you're, you're, you're here in the room or you're listening to this and you're not sure what you believe, here's, I just want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. Part of the message of this parable is this, it is never too late. Your history is never too overwhelming for God. No matter what has happened in your past, part of this parable says this, there is always opportunity for forgiveness. There is always opportunity to restart. That's called grace. For those of us who have followed Jesus for a while, okay, this parable is meant to tell us something like this. Don't become frustrated because you've lived your life a certain way and you've made choices and you've maybe been devout. Don't become frustrated when God embraces people who have lived the life that you look down on. So the parable is meant for the irreligious and it's meant for the religious. And in part, what it does is it says this, in God's kingdom, the irreligious and the religious are on equal footing. There's always an opportunity. Okay, let's read this parable together. Matthew chapter 20, for the kingdom of heaven is like, so many of Jesus' parables are about the kingdom. We don't use that language, but Jesus is coming to planet earth to bring a brand new reality. 
people think he's gonna bring, oh, he's gonna be a palace and he's gonna raise an army, but he's, no, no, no. I'm bringing a new reality, a new set of values, a new way to look at human life, a new way to relate to God. So my kingdom is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. It's probably 6 a.m. That's when the day started. It's a hot, arid culture. He started early in the morning. He agreed to pay them a denarius. So what is a denarius? Well, denarius was a day's wages, and it was actually fairly generous because it is the wage that every Roman foot soldier is paid. It's a denarius per day. And so a laborer is actually doing pretty well if they work all day, 12 hours would equal one denarius. A denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, so three hours later, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing, here's the big word, what are they doing? Nothing. Or Abraham, nada, okay? Uh, They're just standing around. So we don't really see this. But like laborers, you would go to a marketplace and then whoever needed labor for the day, they would come and find you and you'd set up what you'll be paid for the day and then you'd go work. So he goes three hours later, finds a bunch of people sitting around doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So the 6 a.m. people is a denarius. Jesus is a little bit more vague, right, in this one, and he says, whatever's right. Well, what's right? How many people would go work for whatever's right? Well, what's right to you? Like, I'd rather have a number? No, no. So they went. He went out again about noon. This is the third round of hiring. And about three in the afternoon, the fourth round of hiring, and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, okay? So the day is gonna end at 6 p.m. You work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. It goes out at five, so there's one hour left in the day, and found others, still others, standing around. They're not terribly productive and they're not terribly motivated. Anybody have a teenager, (laughs) right? Okay, standing around, he asked them, why have you been standing here all, all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us. They answered, he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, 6 p.m., the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Okay, so we don't know how many people are involved in this parable, but there's a significant amount of people. And okay, an hour after the last round of hiring, Jesus says, okay, bring everybody in, we're gonna pay them. But I want you to pay the person or the people that started working at 5 p.m. first. So the worker of the vineyard wants, if you would have paid the people who were there for 12 hours and they got a denarius and they walked away, it wouldn't have created any controversy. But purposely the landowner says, hey, I I, want to do something. I want to kind of mess with people. And that's the the purpose of this parable, is kind of mess with us. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius, 12 hours worth of pay for one hour work. So when those came who were hired first, they're they're watching the line, they're watching what people are getting paid. What would you think? (laughs) For one hour? (laughs) I work 12 hours, maybe I'll get 12 denarius. Like, I, this, this is going to be 
like an incredible day. They expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal. You've taken those of us who have carried the load and you've, you've equaled us all out. Now we're like, we're the same, but we didn't work the same. We get paid the same, equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give, the landowner is generous. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? So here's the question to all religious people. Everybody who's been around the block, are you envious because I am generous? Do I get envious because God is generous and he gives people what they don't deserve? So here's how he closes out the parable. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Okay, what do we learn about God's kingdom, his economy, his values from this passage? Number one, the kingdom is not fair. And fairness is a really big deal to Americans. Like in our founding document, right? All men are created equal. Everybody should have equal opportunity. It, anybody who was raised and you had siblings, I remember my brother, I, I'm the oldest of five, but my brother Jake and I are really close in age. We're 18 months apart. And like at dinner time when you poured milk, like, no, you got more. So you, you had to equal it out because everything always had to be fair. And if it looked like somebody was getting preferential treatment, what did you say? That's not fair. It's not fair. Jesus tells a story to let everybody know his kingdom isn't fair. And we think, well, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't the kingdom of Jesus be fair? nobody has done enough. The landowner was generous to the people that work 12 hours. And he was generous to the people that work one hour. Everybody gets to be a part of the master's generosity. I want you to think for a moment about the diminishing motivation levels of all these different workers. Okay, so the first people show up at the marketplace at 6 a.m. These are the people that have like a really well-developed resume on heavy quality paper. They've shaved, they're prepared. They show up like the earliest that anybody, we want to be the first people there, highly motivated. And then the 9 a.m. people, they're like a little less motivated. But as we go down the scale, I want you to think about the quality of the worker. Okay, the person that was hired at noon, they woke up at 10, 
that had two bowls of cereal. They thought about, man, do I want to work today? Not really. But my mom's going to ask if I look for a job. So I'll go at lunch. I'll go at lunch. The person that shows up at 3 p.m., the person that shows up at 5 p.m., you know that those two last groups, the people that work just a few hours, they brought their resume and it was filled out in crayon, right? It was like, me, good worker, do whatever you want. You, you know, like they, they didn't wake up until one in the afternoon. And then they play video games for a while. And then they're like, man, I should probably look for a job today. And so they wander their way down just before dinner and assume like, there's no way anybody will make me work if I don't get there till five. <laughs> and if I do work, it's only an hour. This is going to be an awesome day. And like, can you imagine the quality of the worker? So the people who were hired early in the morning, this drives them batty, like absolutely batty. I know, I know we had a verbal contract. Well, look at that guy. I showed up at 6 a.m. I was ready to go. And you just paid that guy. It always becomes that guy, that person, that lady, the same that you paid me. And Jesus wants everybody to know that his kingdom isn't fair. It's not based on who worked the most. And that brings us to point number two. The kingdom, this parable teaches us, has no connection with achievement, ability, or sacrifice. The kingdom of Jesus isn't about who's the most moral, who's been the most faithful, who's been the most devout, who's been the kindest and sweetest. And we live in a world that is very merit-based. And when it comes to work, most of us are really appreciative of that, right? After uh, last night's service, somebody came up and they work at a really big retailer. If I said the name, you'd recognize it. They said, it drives me crazy. Like, it doesn't matter how long you've been there or how hard you work, we're all paid the same. Because we typically live in a merit-based society where the more you produce, the better you do, the more you are rewarded. And for those of us who are like hard workers, we appreciate that. Jesus says this about his kingdom. Here's the point. Nobody can do enough to save themselves. Nobody can earn salvation. Nobody can be good enough, moral enough, or devout enough. In fact, in the story, nobody has their own business. Nobody has their own vineyard. Everybody is dependent. Whether you show up at 6 or 5 p.m., you're all dependent. And I think Jesus is saying through this parable, part of what you have to understand is when it comes to life in God, when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to having a relationship with God, it is all a gift for everyone. It's just not fair. I get that. But here, here's, here's the other side. Like the inverse of this, I believe, would also be true, that you could... You could have the most moral person who never trusted Jesus, but they lived this exceptional life. And you could have somebody who just like lived their life as a culprit, but neither one gets into the kingdom unless Jesus gives them a gift of eternal life. 
I can't earn it and I can't achieve it. Paul says this so poignantly because this is really hard for the church to figure out because we think the more I do, do more, try harder, do more, try harder, right? I'll have a better relationship with God. And Paul says this in the book of Ephesians. He says, for it is by grace. Grace is God's. Kindness is second chances. It's his generosity, for it is by grace that you, and I, I, when it says you, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, it's you. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Imagine what this sentence could say. There are millions and millions, billions of people around the globe who this would be an incredibly foreign statement to them. Because it would be, it is by your hard work, that you've been saved. It is by your efforts that you've been saved. It is by your moral superiority that you've been saved. And here's the message of the kingdom. It's by grace. The generosity. That you cannot earn or achieve. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Faith is the, the avenue, how you access this grace. And this, Paul emphasizes, it's not from yourselves. You didn't even produce your own faith. You can't produce, you can't summon grace, not by yourselves. It is the, here's the key word, the gift. It is a gift of God, not by works, not by achievement, so that no one can boast. So people who have been following God for a long time, here's what we can often forget. I was saved and it was a total gift. I didn't achieve this. God just found some guy named Nate who just all kinds of dysfunction and problems in his life. And somehow, some way, he said, I want to call you my son. And that would be the case for every single one of us. The kingdom has no connection with achievement, ability, and sacrifice. Here's point number three from this text. The kingdom can be extremely frustrating, okay? So now I wanna to talk to those of us who have been following Jesus for a while. This is the same scenario that we read about in the book of Luke with the parable of the lost son. There's this great parable that teaches, Jesus teaches. There's two sons, there's a dad. The younger son is rebellious. The, the older son is like devout, like does everything his dad wants him to do. The younger son says, dad, I can't wait any longer for you to die. So would you give me my inheritance now? Gives him his inheritance, squanders it, it's just life. It's just everything you wouldn't want your kid to do, right? It's totally self-destructive. He finds himself penniless, broken, and he, he thinks, I'm gonna starve to death unless I go home, but maybe my dad, maybe my dad would take me in as a servant because at least I'll have some food in my belly. So this prodigal son makes his way home. And we love the story because of this, this message that God takes prodigals. But one of the really important parts of the story that we miss is the older son. When his brother comes home, he watches. He watches his dad run out and embrace this filthy young man who's lost everything he was given. And the older brother just watches. He can't, I can't believe can't believe my dad's excited to see my younger brother. And then 
the dad says, hey, let's throw a party. My son was lost. He's now home. We're going to kill the fatted calf. It's like barbecue brisket, like big deal. And the more the dad celebrates the return of his son, the more angry the older son gets. Just ticked. And he finally goes to his dad. He goes, dad, I have done everything right my whole life. And you've never given me anything. But when this brother of mine comes home, you create a party and you celebrate and he has lived the worst life possible. See, that's the anger. That's the anger of religious people. And if we're not careful, we begin to fall into that. Here's what I found. The longer I follow Jesus, the more narrow the circle of who I think God loves becomes. Right? When you're you're the one like fresh out of prison and you're the one like, thank God that you saved me and you love everybody, but you live 20 years and trying to be devout and trying to follow Jesus, you start thinking, well, I wasn't quite as bad as they are. And the circle becomes smaller. Part of this story, this parable is meant to say, blow open your circle. In Jesus' kingdom, He loves the person that shows up for one hour of work. And he puts them on equal footing. It's a gift for everyone. So we have to deal with our personal frustration. What really angers that person who worked at 6 a.m. is he says, you have made the lazy person. You made the person who made all the wrong choices in life. You've made them equal to us. And Jesus would say, oh yeah, because you're all broken human beings who didn't deserve to be forgiven, didn't deserve to be loved. It's a gift for you and it's a gift for them. Number four, God has the right to give what he wants to whom he wants. Jesus lays that out in the landowner's voice. This is don't I have the right to pay whoever I want, whatever I want? And we kind of think, no, there should be a scaled system. There should be a tiered system. That's how our minds work. And Jesus says, listen, if God wants to be generous, what's that to you? One of our core values, you find it just outside that wall, you find it on our webpage, is this, God is generous. And here's, we're not talking about money primarily. We're talking about this. The, God saw you and you hadn't earned him. You hadn't achieved him. You hadn't been good enough. He saw me. I hadn't earned him. I hadn't achieved him. I hadn't been good enough. And he said, how how about I love you? And it was just the generosity of God. Romans puts it this way. It is the kindness or the generosity of God that actually leads us to a place of repentance. God is generous. And and here's what Jesus wants the crowd. There's all these religious people in the crowd. By the way, the original congregation listening to Jesus, they were Jewish people. And they're going to have to struggle with this reality because here's what the Jewish people had done. For centuries, for centuries, they had kept the covenant that their forefather Abraham made with God. They had kept the law that Moses, their forefather, had made with God. They had been devout, they had followed their God and all the other nations doing whatever they wanted, 
right? They, they worshiped all these foreign gods. They had all these different ethics. And one of the biggest struggles, if you read the book of Acts, which chronicles the first several decades of the Christian church, is the Jewish people, they're like the person that showed up to work at 6 a.m. They're like the older brother. They're like, this is totally unfair. Our people, the Jews, we have been working. We've been keeping the law of Moses. We've been keeping the covenant with Abraham. And now these non-Jewish people who they call Gentiles are gonna show up and you're just gonna like let them in too? They don't have all the centuries of being devout. And there's this massive struggle that happens because God's generosity is too much for them. Jesus is criticized of this all the time. He, he continues to interact with people who others go like, no, 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 no. You don't even talk to people like that. They could potentially pollute you. And so Jesus is, he's criticized for hanging out with sex workers. He's criticized for hanging out with sellouts to the Roman government. He's criticized for hanging out with people who are considered disreputable or sick or, or tainted or polluted. They were uncomfortable with the generous nature of Jesus' love. And if I'm not careful, I become like the 6 a.m. employee. Jesus, I, I want you to be generous to me, but I don't want you to be generous to them. Here's the beauty about grace. Grace, that forgiveness, that second chance, that generosity. I love it when I'm the recipient. Sometimes I resent it when somebody else is the recipient. And I wanna be comfortable with God's grace poured out on whomever Jesus chooses to embrace, to hire, and whenever they show up. Last point, it's that question that the landowner asks. And it's the question that I think Jesus would ask us today. Are you envious? Because I am generous. So <clears throat> multiple times in my life, I've had this sacred opportunity. And I never want to exploit this because it really is sacred, but you're, you're with a family when a loved one passes away. And uh, sometimes it's just beautiful because somebody's lived their life in this amazing way. And although there's sorrow, there's not fear in the way this person lived their life. There's no unresolved conflict in that room. Like they're just ready to go. However, <laughs> I've been a part of several moments where someone is about to die and they have not lived their life well. There's unresolved conflict with ex-spouses, with children, with stepchildren. It's just, and everybody in that room is kind of torn because in part they want to be there and in part they don't because they've been so wounded by this person. So here's the question. I, I like, if I'm coming to an opportunity like that or any of our staff, or if you show up at an opportunity like that, I'm gonna directly go to the person who doesn't have long left to live. And if they're cognizant, I'm gonna make sure that they are ready to meet their maker, right? 
So I'm going to ask them some tough questions. And there have been two occasions where I meet somebody and it's like this person was a bit of a scoundrel their whole life. And, and I'm like, hey, are you ready? Are you comfortable? And they're like, no. And like on their deathbed, lead them to a point of forgiveness and that God can love you and, and, and like he'll take it all. It, and here, here's, the, here's the funny dynamic. There's people in the room who have experienced pain at the hand of this person. And I get to look at them, person who's dying, and say, you're forgiven. The minute your body stops, you're gonna be the hands of your savior. Everything you've done was paid for on the cross of Jesus and you can feel the resentment in the room, right? Because their family members are like, seriously? He's been a jerk his whole life and now he's, he's getting off scot-free like he's going to heaven too? I'm not even sure I wanna see him there, right? That's this parable. Are you envious? Because God is liberal and generous with forgiveness. Sometimes, sometimes. Whether you lived your life with a million regrets or you lived your life in this incredibly pious way, here's, here's how I think it's supposed to end. <clears throat> One day when this body ends, Stand a part of me, it's not the end of all of me. I'm gonna stand before Jesus and this is what I wanna hear him say. It's found in the New Testament. I want him to look into my eyes and I want him to look into your eyes and I wanna hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter, enter. What if standing next to me He's the deathbed conversion person. <laughs> and I'm like, we just died at the same time. We get there and I'm like, hey, I'm going first, man. Cause like, I, I've been doing this thing for like 40 years, following Jesus, trying my best. Like, come on, man, I was a pastor. You were the crazy guy. And now we're here at the same place. Here's what I want. I want to look at that person and go, can you believe he forgave us? He forgave me like 40 years ago and I'm still blown away. He took my broken heart, my broken spirit, and he gave me life and resurrection. And it happened for you 10 minutes ago. High five, brother. You go first. Because here's what I know. I don't deserve this. And you definitely don't deserve this. but we're each getting a denarius. What do you think about that, man? The point is this, is that it's a miracle that God could love any of us. So as I conclude, it's not too late. You're in the room, you're listening, Watch it online. Oh, I know what it's like. I know what it's like 
that you live your life and you've made so many mistakes and you've made commitments to God and you've set up change and, and you just found yourself in this pattern, this repetitious pattern of self-destructive behavior. I want you to hear this. It is not too late. And God does not love you any less than he loves that sweet old saint. Something about the kingdom, both is valuable. For all of us who've been around a while, I want to constantly be expanding in my sphere of understanding of who God loves. It's just bigger than I'm comfortable with. You know what? God loves people I don't like. He loves people you don't like too. And I want to be okay with that. I want to have a heart that loves people I don't like. And that's a gift from God. And I never want to be resentful. And I never want to be the guy that showed up at 6 a.m. who's mad. Who's mad because the kingdom isn't fair. The kingdom's not fair. And thank God it's not. Because none of us could get in by ourselves. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.